Welcome to the Exodus Health Center podcast. These seminars are recorded live Monday nights at 7 at the Exodus Health Center in Kennesaw, Georgia, where we believe that God needs no help, just no interference. Tonight's workshop is entitled Alkalize Your Body, and it's presented by Dr. David Jockers. Now, here's Dr. David. And so did you see some of the things that they were talking about there where all these kids, you know, these are little kids, obviously, with, with AIDS and HIV, and he was talking about how they're, they're all talking about making dietary changes and taking out sugar and things like that. They're starting to think about the prevention aspect rather than just, you know, throwing a, bun- a boatload of medications at these kids, right? And they're, they're actually, they're, that's the second hospital. They're actually opening the second hospital coming up in a couple weeks in Zimbabwe. And so it's all built around maximized living. On one end, they have the maximized living health center where everybody obviously gets under, you know, structural corrective chiropractic care. Um, you know, they're, they're taught things like we're going to learn tonight how to alkalize and detox our system. You know, they're taught how to exercise, how to get in great shape in minutes a day. You know, obviously on the other side, they, they do have emergency medicine. You know, God forbid, you know, obviously a car accident or heart attack or something like that. They have that, but then they have the Maximized Living Health Center that everybody goes through. And on the other end of it, it's, it's all built around a church, Celebration Ministries. So isn't that perfect, right? Health and healing, God's way you know, right there with the church and everything involved. And so just an awesome kind of situation. And they're going to be doing tons and tons of research out there, which is great because we're going to be able to really show the world how this level of healthcare and, and the things that we're going to learn tonight and the things that we do in our lives is so superior to any other way of being healthy and well. And so who here would like to have more energy in their life? Yeah. Probably everybody, right? Who here would like to detox, get rid of toxins out of your system so you can sleep better at night? Probably everybody. Who here wants to lose weight? Anybody? Okay, awesome, awesome. So we're going to be able to hit all those major things tonight. So some of you guys can just keep your hands up for all of it, right? So we'll hit all of this stuff. And so we're going to talk about alkalizing detox. And what is this a picture of? Water. So you got your first hint right there, right? We got to make sure we're hydrating effectively. And I'm going to go through that, kind of how that works, what we're looking at with that. But anyways, you guys just saw just an incredible video on Maximize Living. And this is really, this is what I teach. This is what I'm committed to. We have about 500 to 750, somewhere in that range, doctors uh, nationwide. And we are literally on a mission to transform the way that healthcare is viewed and delivered in our country and, and throughout the entire world. And so our focus is this right here, is, is teaching how to eat well, move well, breathe well, think well, and rest well. And when we combine those things, it's amazing the end product of what happens, right? We got testimonials all over the walls. Some of you guys are in those testimonials. There's lives just being absolutely transformed. And so here's when we look at it. So when I'm, when I'm really thinking about somebody comes in or whatever it is, you know, and they have complaints in their life or they, we just want to maximize their health, this is the first thing that I think. I got to go right to the cellular layer. And this is how we have to think about this that we're made up of 75 trillion cells that literally, I mean, literally every day we have 100 billion new cells that are formed. So that means every seven months we have an entirely new heart, every six months a new liver, right? Every three to five days a new stomach lining, that our body is constantly in this never-ending state of healing, that we're, we're every single year, I mean, we're almost an entirely new cellular being. And so when we look at disease, right, it's not like um, a lot of people are, just have this, uh, this misinformed belief that you're healthy one moment and then all of a sudden you get diagnosed with the disease, right? Or all of a sudden they find something on a, on a test or a scan and then, and then you're sick, right? I mean, I, believe me, I used to think like this too because this is the way we're trained, right? So 
we think that we're healthy until all of a sudden what happens? Crisis, right? Some sort of crisis occurs. But really, every single day, that health is never a static state. You're never, you know, you're, you're either building health or you're building disease, right? Your body's either healing or it's dying. It's either regenerating or it's degenerating. And it always comes down to this, that you're either toxic or deficient. That's what causes all disease. Every cell in your body depends on, on certain specific requirements of, of nutrients and all kinds of other things, right? And then it also depends on ability to detox effectively. So when we're looking at a cell, you can see right here, it's a healthy cell. You got nutrients coming in and you have wastes coming out, right? And it's an even proportion there. However, this is what happens. So if your cell gets backed up, right? And typically what happens is it's deficient in one of the major things that it needs, all right? And, and that creates an unstable environment in the body. Then it's energy systems within the cell that kick out toxins, right? And that help bring in nutrients gets weak. And so that system gets weak. Now you're not able to bring in as much nutrients. You're not able to kick out as much wastes. All of a sudden that cell becomes very, very highly unstable. And then ultimately that will also affect the cells around it as well. And so, you know, obviously this person right here is building disease if that remains, okay? Obviously, what do we have to do? We got to address the toxicity or the deficiency. So let's apply this to life right here. So when you see a plant, right? So a plant wilting, what do you think? Water, right? That's typically what we always think first, okay? Do you ever think, maybe it needs an antibiotic. Anybody ever think of that? <laughs> maybe it um, maybe it needs a Tylenol or a blood pressure drug or you know something like that. We never think that, right? But of course, you know that's what we think in our society. We always think water. Let's say you give it water, right, and nothing happens. It stays the same. What do you think? Yeah. So it doesn't mean that water was bad for it, right? We know the plant needs water. It's a, it's an essential to life. It has to have the right amount of water. Just because we didn't get the desired result we wanted doesn't mean that we did something bad. It needed that water, but it also has other nutrients that it needs, right? So you can give it all the water in the world, but if you just left it in a dark room, would it ever survive? Of course not, right? It needs, it needs the sun. So let's say you had it in the sun and you were giving it water, but it still looked like that. Okay. We got to look at the, the quality of the soil. What if we had really toxic, you know, really just nutrient deficient soil? You're not going to have a good, healthy plant grow on that. And then let's say you had all three of those things, okay, but down the road, they were pumping diesel fuel into your ground, right? What's going to happen to the plant? It's going to get toxic, right? So here's the thing, guys. Everybody always thinks that, you know, they're just one thing away from being healthy. You know, if they are not healthy, they're one thing away from it. But ultimately, health is about creating, is really about creating an entire process where we're doing all the right things. Like we talked about thinking well, eating well, resting well right? Breathing well, moving well, all those things, doing them all for, for a long enough period of time at the same time. And then for, like I said, a long enough period of time, then those cells are able to replace themselves and build quality, healthy cells over time. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah. So you think about this, what would you do for a sick goldfish? So you see a sick goldfish, what's the first thing you think? Change the water or maybe give it some food or something like that, right? Well, again, we never think, let's throw an antibiotic in there right? Let's throw a, you know, some sort of a drug, right? We never think about giving it surgery, right? That's, we only do those things for humans, right? Not for, uh, for animals typically. So by changing the water, 
you change the environment, you restore the fish to its natural state of health. So that's one of the big things we obviously, when we're looking at alkalizing and creating a, an optimal environment in our body, that's one of the big things we've got to look at is really what kind of environment are we creating right now with the foods and the water and things like that that we're bringing in. So you think about a sick child, okay? So a child gets sick, and, and I, obviously we take care of a lot of kids in here, so I'm constantly dealing with mothers. So the child gets ill, and typically, let's say the child gets an ear infection, okay? Let's say it's a four-year-old, four-year-old runs a fever, gets an ear infection. What do we, our natural state and the way that we're conditioned in our society, that child gets an ear infection, do we think that's good or bad? We think it's bad typically, right? We immediately think, is, here's the question we get asked. Is there something wrong with her or is there something right with her? What do you think? Excellent, Rana. That's right, exactly. So here's the level of thinking we got to have. There's something right with her, okay? That every day, guys, we're under attack by bacteria, viruses, all kinds of stuff. I mean, our cells literally, you know, 10,000 attacks by free radicals. You know, literally, I mean, like almost every minute, right? We have about 10,000 uh, free radicals attacking every single cell in our body. I mean, it's just a continual process that we're every single day that we're going through. And so with children, right, so a four-year-old, is their body mature or immature? Immature, immature right? So what should their immune system, do you think their immune system is mature or immature? Immature, immature right? Because we develop maturity through, through experience. So if I never worked out, right, and the, the, the furthest I ever walked was like um, 10 feet, right, what would my muscles look like? Completely atrophied, right? And I probably have a whole bunch of fat because I'd never trained them, right? So it's the same thing with our immune systems. Our immune systems are like a muscle. So in order for our immune systems to grow and to become stronger, we have to train it. Guess when we train our immune systems? When we, sh when we should be training them the most? When we're young. You guys see that? In the beginning stages when we're young, it's natural for kids to get ear infections, for them to get colds, flu. So Megan, you're, she's going to have a child soon. So that's natural. We don't want to get worried about that. All we want to do is make sure that the body has what it needs so that it can fight that off and build up that immune response. So here's what we do in our society. We throw Tylenol at, at the child, right? Antibiotics, all kinds of stuff like that. When we do that, are we training the body that it has what it needs in order to fight off that infection? What are we training it? Bad. Right, that it needs something from the outside in. It's almost like a crutch, right? We're giving it a crutch, you know, rather than really letting it grow, letting it um, develop and, and, and obviously get stronger with its immunity. And so here's what happens. Children who are started on antibiotics early in life, they end up with, with, a, with twice as much illness later when they're a young adult, right? and four times greater risk of getting cancer. So if they're on six or more rounds of antibiotics before the age of 10, quadruples their risk of getting cancer um, later in life. And so why? Because cancer, again, is our body's immune system is weak, so it's not able to break down the abnormal cells. So obviously one of the most important things we can do is really teach ourselves, right, and have this develop this mindset where we look at things like fevers, flus, ear infections, things like that, instead of thinking that those are bad, we want to think that's an opportunity, right? That is an opportunity for the immune system to grow stronger, so that way it can handle it better the next time. And I will tell you guys, before I started living this kind of lifestyle, I mean, growing up, I was always sick. Fortunately, thank God, my mom really, she was a nurse, but she really had a hard time with medications, so she really never put me on any kind of medications, things like that, although I would take Tylenol and over-the-counter stuff. 
Um, but it was always, you know, always went to nutrition, things like that. Later on in life, I mean, I was still in my early 20s. You know, I would get sick. I would, just like anybody else, you know, I would, I would get sick. You know, often, once I started, I got into chiropractic school, graduate school, and I really started living this maximized living life. I learned about it, and I started um, really developing this. Believe me, my first year, I was still, I still remember, I think I was about um, 20, 23, 24 years old, and, uh, you know, I was still, I remember, you know, being sick and throwing up and, you know, having issues. But literally, probably since I was probably about 24, probably in the last five years or so, you know, I have not, I mean, I, I feel great, right? I have not even had really missed a day, right? Sniffles, you know, I've never really, um, you know, been sick. My immune system has been strong enough, living this lifestyle, it's built up enough strength to be able to prevent things like that. So who here would like to never get sick again? <laughs> so guess when that starts? It starts now and it starts the next time that you do feel some symptoms, how you address that. And in, uh, in December, I'm going to do a workshop, Never Get Sick Again. And we're going to break down exactly how all that stuff works. Okay? And so true health, guys, this is key that we remember this. It's impossible to be 100% healthy by supplying the cells with only some of the requirements or by eliminating only some of the toxins. We need to make sure that we're really addressing the whole system. And so this is why, you know, a lot of doctors, they'll, they'll just, and a, and a lot of us, we just kind of self, self-diagnose and we try to throw one thing or the other at it. And we believe if that one thing doesn't work, then it failed, right? That's what we think. But the reality is we've got to address all the major issues. And so this is why most programs fail. That's why our, our program really succeeds where the other ones fail. So when we're looking at a healthy cell, this is what we got to look at. Number one, obviously nutrition, right? And so who here has made nutrition changes over the last year or so, right? Or, or just really tries hard to eat, what, eat right. So probably most of you guys are probably talking to you know, that particular crowd. Oxygen, we got to make sure we're oxygenating well. Drinking the right types of water and a lot of water. Sunlight, who got out in the sun this weekend? Any of you guys? Awesome, give yourself a round of applause. Good. Come on, come on, give yourself a round of applause, guys. We absolutely, in fact, the next newsletter is going to be on sunlight and how critically important that is to really stabilizing our immune system and getting healthy. We need to make sure that we're doing that on a regular basis. One of the most powerful things that we can do is getting out in the sun, getting good optimal rest, detoxing, right? A proper pH, and that's really what we're going to talk about today is really how to alkalize, hydrate our system, how to detox effectively, and then, of course, having optimal nerve impulse, getting that out. So when you guys are watching that video, the, the studies that they're doing are how does somebody with HIV and AIDS, how well do they, you know, how do they thrive or, or survive when they're getting optimal nerve flow to their body, right? And there's been some research, preliminary research that's been done at, at Life University, and it's shown that their CD4 counts, all their immunofactors, actually, I mean, they go up through the roof, right? Because the body's able to communicate more effectively, therefore it's able to heal better. So what's gonna be incredible is, now they're gonna do long-range studies, 10, 15, 20 year studies, where, because, you know, in the past they thought, if you got HIV or AIDS, right, you're not gonna make it past 10 years, we know that's not true now. Now people are making it, typically when they're not medicated, they're making it a lot longer than when they are medicated, right? And uh, they're making it a lot longer than that. Look at Magic Johnson, right? Magic Johnson stopped taking his medications, you know? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's going on, anybody know how many years? I mean, it's probably been at least, you know, 16, 17 years. And he stopped taking his medications. He was having really bad side effects. He stopped taking those. 
and uh, he just started, you know, doing a lot of diet things, stuff like that, and he's done a lot better as far as that goes. And if he was taking the medications, believe me, he'd be all over the press. They'd be doing all kinds of documentaries on him, right? And they'd be talking about the, the superpower of these drugs, and, of course, they'd be using that, and he would be speaking to raise tons of money for more drugs, right? And so that's why, he's, that's why you don't really see him in the press, because he's really not doing it the medical way. Therefore, they're kind of shunning him in a sense, right? And so one of the biggest things we could do to start, one of, the, one of the most important things, this is what I always tell people to start with when you're making a lifestyle change, is start by drinking more water. So lack of water is the number one cause of daytime fatigue. It's the number one cause, you know, who's ever been tired? So after you eat lunch, right, maybe an hour or two later, three hours later, right around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and you just your head starts going down, right? Who's ever been there? Probably everybody. I know I've been there, right? Typically, it's lack of hydration. we got to make sure that we're well hydrated. That is so key that we're hydrating on a regular basis. So one aspect with that is eating light meals throughout the day. So not overeating, but also staying real well hydrated and eating a lot of, kind of, a lot of foods that will help us hydrate. So what, what are hydrating foods? What kind of foods? Cucumbers are phenomenal hydrating food, very alkalizing. We'll talk about that. What else? What else? Melons. Melons are, are you know, definitely hydrating. Typically a higher sugar, higher sugar fruit. So you know, that would be at a specific time, like, for example, right after you finished um, you know, a, a, a max fit. Who's doing max fit in here? Right? Some of you guys are, right? Our 12-minute-a-day exercise program. And so right after you finished a high-intensity exercise program, melons are not the best thing to just kind of eat you know, throughout the day and then just kind of sit around only because, you know, now they're a lot better than a lot of things, but only because they're higher in sugar, right? And so that sugar will cause some different reactions. So that would be the only reason. Outside of that, other good hydrating foods like celery, right? Celery is phenomenal, right? Who here, you know, they'll try, they'll drink some water, okay? And it just doesn't quench their thirst. Anybody been there before? Okay, probably some of you guys. Certain body types, especially, particularly uh, protein metabolic types or fast oxidizers need more minerals. And so when you need more minerals, celery really comes in. It's very, very alkalizing, high in silica, um, also a very good source of healthy alkalizing sodium that really helps your body um, stabilize its pH and hydrate you more effectively. So munching on things like that throughout the day is phenomenal. In fact, I, contrary to popular belief, I truly believe actually the larger meal you should have would probably be more so at night when you're, unless you work at night, when you need, when you're using less energy. And that's, that meal should be based around what? What macromolecules? You think you should have a lot of carbs at night? No, right? What should you have in there? Good fats, right? And some good protein and lots of vegetables with antioxidants, right? So great, great dinner is going to be like, for example, like a, a steamed broccoli, right, cauliflower, something like that, kale, right, or a big salad, and, um, you know, a grass-fed steak or, um, you know, free-range chicken with olive oil on it or something along those lines, right? If you're a vegetarian, right, you can do some, some guacamole or some avocados or you can use nuts and seeds, things like that. And so that's going to really, really help you. But staying hydrated throughout the day is so key. And one of our big tips is make sure that you stay away from tap water, right? Yeah. Because, because tap water is so toxic, guys. So unless, you know, of course, you want chlorine, which, you know, chlorine literally destroys the good bacteria in your digestive system, so extremely toxic. Fluoride, 
Chloride is actually linked to lower um, willpower, right? So if you want to have lower mental willpower and have higher level of addictions, like for example, addictions to alcohol, to sugar, to caffeine, things like that, you drink more tap water. Um, research has shown that people who drink more tap water are more addicted to uh, different substances. Okay, arsenic, lead, right? All, all your different pharmaceuticals, mercury. So tap water, we want to stay away from, you know, as much as we possibly can. Okay, and, and that includes that includes things like, for example, if you get a juice, right? You just get a regular juice at the store, and it says water in there. What do you think they used? What kind of water? Tap water, typically, right? So unless it says, you know, well filtered, you know, fil filtered water, that's all they're using. It's just regular water. Angie, do you have a question? Boiling, I wouldn't do it. You'd want to use filtered water when you boil, exactly. Now, washing dishes, that's fine. But, um, but when, you're, when you're preparing food that you're going to eat, definitely don't use that because look at all the heavy metals you have, pesticides, herbicides, right, pharmaceuticals, all kinds of stuff. Unless, unless of course, you wanted to get your cholesterol, blood, uh, blood pressure, birth control, um, your Tylenol, and uh, your diabetes medications. Right, without actually spending any money. Then you just drink some tap water. You probably have all, that whole cocktail, <laughs> whole cocktail right in there, right? <laughs> so, okay, so when we're looking at the body, this is the cool thing about it is that when we're a fetus, you know, we're 100% water. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? I mean, we're just literally water. And then obviously, as we start to get more matter, right, we become less and less water. You know, baby at birth is about 80% water. And you can feel their skin, it's soft, it's well hydrated, right? As we go on, normal adults should be about 70%. When we're measuring you guys, a lot of you guys have been measured by our Tanita um, machine. When we're measuring you with that machine, what we're really looking for is women should be over 50%, okay, for sure. And we try to get it up around 55, 60. Men should be over 60%, okay? So based on, on the graphs and everything that they have, that's where we want to be. Um, and that's just based on... Um, the statistical evaluation that they do um, with that machine. But in reality, we want to be about 70%. Look at this, elderly people, right? And most people in society, honestly, you know, they start losing a lot of water and they become 50%. Who, who's ever heard of, you know, people shrinking as they age, right? Probably a lot of us, right? We used to think that was a wise tale. That's not. People really do. Guess why they shrink? Two reasons. Lack of water, right, in their spine because they're not getting any motion into their spine. They're not getting adjustments, right? They're not, um, obviously, they're not doing the right exercises and stuff like that. Their spine literally degenerates and rots. And right in between every vertebrae is a disc, okay? There's a disc, little shock absorber. Guess what the, the primary ingredient in that shock absorber is? Water. That's right. And so if you get no motion in your spine, you have bad posture, and you're chronically dehydrated, guess what happens to those discs? They, they compress, exactly. So that's where people lose their height and they start getting bent over, hunched over like this. Their spine is literally rotting. By the way, what runs in, in your spine? Your central nerve system. And what does that control in your body? Everything, Everything right? So when, you're, when your spine is degenerating, guess what that means to your organs? That they're shutting down. In fact, people who lose more than one centimeter of height during the course of their life, three times greater risk of a heart attack because guess what? When they're losing that height, it's putting pressure on the nerves going right out to their heart. And so obviously look at all these major organs. Look at, look at the water content. Brain is 83% water. Your kidney, 82%, right? All these major things 
are mostly water. Obviously, the only one that's not as much water is bone, right? It's 22% more of a calcium protein matrix there. So crying out for water. There's a great book, and it's written, I, I call this guy Dr. Batman, okay? So he's actually an Iranian medical doctor, and uh, his last name is like Batman Jalone or something like that. Um, and so he wrote a couple books, and what actually he did was, you know, in the late 70s, or he was, a, he was a medical doctor practicing in Iran, and then there was the Iranian-Iraq conflict, right? Who remembers that, anybody, right? And so during that conflict, for whatever reason, he got put in prison, okay? They were just kind of imprisoning people. He got put in prison, and he, he obviously had no, no longer had access to medications, so he had all these sick people around him. He said one of the most common things was stomach ulcers, but a whole lot of other issues. And uh, all they would do is they would give him water, right? They respected the fact that he was a doctor. They felt like, hey, this could help out. You know, he could help the prisoners. They would give him unlimited water, right? And that's really the only resource that they had there. And so he just kept giving these people water, glass after glass after glass. And he started seeing all of these health issues starting to get well, right? And so actually um, at the end of his research, 1981, he was being released, right? They were going to release him from prison, um, and he wanted to stay in there longer so that he could finish his research. And he did, and he eventually wrote a couple of books. And he says that dehydration symptoms, these are our most common ones, right? Pain, irritability, stiff joints, depression, headaches, all of these things. They're our body literally crying out for water. And so dehydration, look at this. After 24 hours of water deprivation, the elderly don't even feel thirsty, right? It turns off their switch. In fact, in our brain, we have something called the hypothalamus. Who's heard of the hypothalamus before? Raise your hand. So a lot of you guys have. That's a critical center in your brain, okay? And it, it regulates, for example, hot and cold, right? Your temperature, your, 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 your blood volume, your core blood volume, things like that. It helps regulate your immune system. Also regulates your hunger and thirst center, okay? And they happen to be right next to each other, the hunger and thirst center. And so what happens is this. In our society, of course, Food is so prevalent, right? So when we start feeling dehydrated, you know, and obviously it feels good when we eat. Who likes eating in here? Probably almost everybody, right? Probably about 90% of our population loves eating. I love to eat. So we, food's so prevalent. So when we are really thirsty and food is around, what do we typically go to? We go to eat, right? We go to food, exactly. And so what happens is it trains our body. And so now areas in our, in our thirst center Right? Our hunger center starts to cross over into our thirst center. So when that thirst center is being stimulated, we want to do what? Eat, right? Because when we eat, when we're chewing, right, we secrete more dopamine. Okay? Dopamine is obviously it's the same you know, molecule it's secreted when we're you know, taking in cocaine, things like that. It's our pleasure center, right? Helps it interact with our pleasure center. So it gives us natural pleasure, right? Kind of a natural high right there, and we feel good, right? Who, who feels good when, they, when they're chewing on food, right? Probably most people, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's therapeutic, isn't it? Right? Who's ever done a fast before, a liquid fast? Don't you miss that oral aspect of chewing? That's because we're so ingrained into eating, right, and chewing, and we're so ingrained into getting that reaction um, that, you know, that, that takes place. So the elderly literally lose between three and a half to six liters of water in a 10-year period. That's unbelievable, isn't it? Right? And so most of that, that water is coming from their central, from their, their spine and their organs, right? And their joints, right? All their, all their different joints. And so look at this. The ratio of water inside the cell to outside goes from 1.1 to 0.8, meaning the cell literally starts to, to shrivel up. And so here are very common thirst perceptions. Feeling tired, right? Flushed, 
irritable, impatient, short-tempered, who's ever like that. So, you know, when your spouse is like that, what do you do? Give them the water. <laughs> Say, honey, I know it wasn't my fault. You're just dehydrated, right? <laughs> Here you go. Drink this, okay? Anxiety, depression, headaches, right? Look at this right here. Dreaming of rivers, lakes, and who's ever done that before? Who's ever <laughs> dreamed of that? <laughs> yeah, so there you go. There's the, the sign right there. And so, by the way, my, uh, my younger brother, one of my younger brothers, he always had a problem wetting his bed. Uh, and so, um, which, uh, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of results with in the office um, through chiropractic helping out with that. But uh, one thing that my, bro- my older brother and I, of course, we, we tease with him right? Because he had this problem. He was kind of singled out. And so, um, and that's what older brothers do, don't they? Right? So they tease you about it. And um, we would do all kinds of things like dipping his hand in water, right? At night. And so, you know, play all the games with him, right? And uh, he said it was, it was really common. He'd be dreaming about, you know, things like this because of all this interaction, right? So, um, so anyways, dehydration. So here's the guy's name, Dr. Batman, okay? MD, so Drought and Resource Management and we have an actual system in our body that's focuses on drought and resource management, meaning this. When our body, when we start getting dehydrated, our body will secrete uh, a molecule, basically a, 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 it's, it's not really a neurotransmitter um, or a hormone. It's a molecule called histamine. Who's ever heard of histamine before, right? And histamine, what its major function is, is actually to shunt water away from, for example, it's more important, honestly, to keep your central nerve system hydrated and your heart hydrated than it is your spine, right? Than it is your knee joints, right? Your elbow joints, your muscles, things like that. So its job is to literally, and what it does in our body is literally helps shunt water from our joints and our muscles and areas like that and into our major organ systems. And so when it elevates though, it also has a response on our immune system. And so for people where it triggers a higher level of histamine, Right? We start getting more allergies, asthma, you know, blood pressure can elevate, you know, issues like that, constipation, right? a lot of different issues like that. And so some of the common things that we feel when we're dehydrated, obviously we feel tension in our shoulders a lot of times, right? Um, our joints will ache, we feel just tired, run down, allergies, issues like that. Well, oftentimes, you know, that is obviously a response to the dehydration, okay? And so when we're looking at it, some of the most dehydrating substances that we get, that we take in on a daily basis, or alcohol, for example. Like alcohol, average American in one year consumes 25 gallons of beer. That's a lot of beer, right? (laughs) Two gallons of wine, two gallons of other alcoholic-containing drinks. And when we take this, when we drink alcohol, what it actually does um, is it acts kind of like an antihistamine in a sense, right? Because here's the thing. First, I should back up real quick. Let's say... We're dehydrated. Our body secretes the histamine. Is that a bad thing or a good thing? Is it bad or is it good? It's good, right? Because it's our body doing the best it can. In fact, one of my mentors, he says, there's no such thing as, 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 um, as pathology, right? The study of disease. He said it's really all adaptive physiology, meaning that it's our body's way of adapting. So when we're in a, in a particular environment, our body is going to adapt to it. So when we're dehydrated, we've got to secrete higher levels of histamine. Its job there is actually to keep our organs healthier for a longer period of time. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right? And so we go ahead, we start having uh, you know, allergy-type reactions. Then what do we take? 
antihistamine, right? So we're actually counteracting what the body's doing. Let's say we get a fever, right? So we get a fever, temperature goes up. Now, is, there, is, is it good or bad that our temperature goes up? Good. That's good because bacteria, viruses, they can only survive at a certain temperature period. So our body, our body naturally raises the heat in order to literally break down and destroy all those microorganisms. What do we do? We, we bring the heat down, right? We take Tylenol, we take whatever it is. Our goal, right, in our mind is let's bring the heat down, right? Not a good thing because our body, it's, it's interacting with our body's ability to heal. It's the same thing when we're taking the antihistamine. Now let's back to the alcohol. Alcohol acts like an antihistamine in the sense that it blocks our body's ability to shunt, right, to, to obviously um, to send water to the major organ systems. So not only does it dehydrate us, but we also don't get the right response. That's why, right, you drink too much, and then how do you feel the next day? Lousy, Lousy right, unless you're hydrating, because then you have the hangover because your brain never got that response, right? Never got enough water up into the brain, so now you're dehydrated. So that's why, um, you know, very, very toxic. So, you know, even uh, this cat doesn't want to drink this stuff, right? So you can laugh at that guy. That's a joke. A little comedy relief in here, okay? People must not get it. I thought it was pretty funny, okay? There you go. Good, good. All right. So caffeine. So... You know, this is typically at the point of the workshop where everybody starts throwing um, paper at me and all kinds of stuff. I get all kinds of foreign objects thrown at me. All right, but we got to know the truth with this, guys. That plants with caffeine, right, it was, it's actually a defense against predators. So plants that have caffeine, um, it was actually kind of an evolutionary type thing where they, they, they generated this. And the reason why is that it, is, it enables, so when predators take in some sort of a caffeinated uh, product, they lose their natural wit, and therefore um, they actually, you know, will have issues with that. Obviously, and they'll, and they'll um, they're they're more effectively they're killed off. So it protects that plant, and so caffeine is really not not a healthy thing for us to be putting on our body on a regular basis. Small amounts are okay, but typically things with a lot of caffeine are typically very very acidic and, and very obviously dehydrating to our system. So. Of course, we sell 400 billion cups of coffee sold every single year. And, and by the way, you know, Starbucks, of course, right? I mean, they sell, I mean, they literally sell, you know, most of that right there is, is, at, is at their, uh, you know, at, at Starbucks. And how much does it cost for like a, a, a latte or whatever it is? And I've never bought anything from Starbucks. How much does it cost there? It's like three or four bucks, right? And so you think about how much money people are spending just drinking things like coffee, right? I mean, I know people, they'll get like two of those every day, right? That's like, what, six or seven bucks at least right there that they're just wasting on something that's, that's only temporarily giving them some satisfaction, building disease in their body. Imagine they invested that, right? So imagine you even invested three or four dollars in a, a day, every day for a year. What are you left with? You know, thousands of bucks and then a compounding interest, it goes up pretty substantially. So let's look at what caffeine does immediately shifts the body into a stress response. So very, very addictive, very acidic and inflammatory for our body. So it starts creating an inflammatory response, overstimulates the adrenals. This is one of the most common things for people who are um, chronically fatigued is that their adrenals have just been burnt out from constantly, constantly overstimulating them. Okay, also blocks melatonin. That's why obviously we don't feel sleepy afterwards. 
Okay, and so that can cause a lot, of, a lot of damage. And look at this, DNA damage. Literally inhibits our body's ability to repair uh, DNA. And so I always tell people, listen, you know what? Like for me, I love coffee. I mean, I used to drink it all the time when I was younger. I absolutely, I love the taste. But, you know, God put this thought in my head when I was younger. In fact, when I was in, when I was in high school, I was a baseball player. And um, in order to make sure my arm was ready, okay, my senior year, I remember, I mean, I was literally taking towards the end of the year 10 ibuprofen a day, right, just to reduce inflammation and get my arm so it wasn't so stiff so I could pitch because I was, you know, uh, one of the top pitchers on the team. And so after that series of events, and obviously I, I thought at the end of the year that I could just come off the, the, the ibuprofen, right, so I just stopped, and guess how I felt? I had such a headache, right? And because my body had adapted to it and become addicted to it. So I was drinking a lot of coffee at that time, and I said, you know what? Anything that my body gets addicted to, that my body depends on, can't be good for me to be to be taking on a regular basis. So I just said, for me, I just said, you know what? I don't even want to. I don't want to use it anymore, right? So for me, and so what I always, the advice I always give to people is, hey, listen, you know, you could drink a cup of coffee just like anything else, right? I mean, you could do some of this stuff, you know, from time to time as long as you balance it out real effectively. But we always have to be thinking if it's something that we absolutely need, right, to get us going. Is that going to be good or bad? Bad, right? We should not have a long-term addiction to that, okay? And so, you know, that's a big aspect with this. And so I always tell people, you know, if you just have a small cup of coffee, no big deal, right? Just, you know, a little bit, you know? And so most people tell me, yeah, I only have one cup, right? But, uh, you know, obviously just like this cartoon talks about, you know, it's just like I never know how much is in that cup. Sometimes people have these huge thermoses. I only have one of these things, right? It's like, you know, it's like a big gulp, right? They've got tons of stuff in there. And so here's the cool thing, right? And some of you guys may have applied this, may have tried this, but this is what's so awesome about this is that water first thing in the morning will super energize your system. Who here wakes up in the morning and just starts drinking a ton of water? Anybody? What have you noticed since you started doing that? Don't you feel that energy? Exactly. This is one of the biggest switches I made because I was always very groggy when I'd wake up. And so I just, I wake up, I spend my first couple minutes just in gratitude, just shouting out all the things I'm grateful for. And then I go and I just start feeding my body tons and tons of water, really super hydrating my system. And I have so much energy. I feel great. I'm ready for an incredible workout, ready to get going. And you can see one of the things it does is it releases serotonin, which is obviously a feel good hormone. So who's heard of like, um, like depression, things like that, right? We've heard of depression. What are the medications? What are most antidepressants? What do they interact with? Serotonin, right? So they're called SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So they keep more serotonin in the system. Here's the thing. When we drink a lot of water, right? When we're drinking enough water, naturally boosts our, our body's ability, our brain cell's ability to produce the serotonin, natural antidepressant. We also secrete motilin, which is literally the housekeeper of the gut, and that also, motilin helps increase our HGH secretion. Who knows what HGH is? Raise your hand if you know what that is. Okay, some of you guys do. What is it? Sarah, what is it? Human growth hormone. Who's heard of human growth hormone? Some of you guys have? So that is your quintessential anti-aging hormone. That is the hormone that helps your body, literally reverses aging in your body, helps you burn fat and build muscle. Is that a good hormone to have elevated? Yep, exactly. So some of you guys know Paul, right? He's not here tonight, but Paul, you know, he's lost over 100 pounds. 
Um, on the next newsletter, we just sort of video testimonial. He's, he's, he's talking for like a minute and a half about his story. Um, but uh, Paul just had his blood work done, and he had his testosterone and his human growth hormone done. And um, he's 35, but he had levels of like an 18-year-old, right? So just like through the roof, like his testosterone, his, his human growth hormone, just through the roof. And, um, you know, one of the things is he prescribes by this program. So his body is literally reversing the aging process right now as we speak. Also amazing for healthy skin is having that HGH because it it interacts with collagen repair. And collagen, of course, is the major aspect of your skin, your joints, things like that. So also, obviously, our energy production. So our best energy source, believe it or not, is not actually food, okay? It's actually water and minerals, you guys realize that? So what's our best energy source? Water and minerals, right, Dave? There you go. He's, he's lifting his cup up. There we go. That's right. So water and minerals. It's hydroelectric energy. So it's electrolytes, right? So everything in our body is run off an electrical current. Energy is an electrical current. When we eat food, right, we actually have to use enzymes and we use energy in order to create energy, right? So you know, there's definitely a net gain, but ultimately we've got to use energy in order to create energy. We also create a lot of toxic byproducts that we have to detox. So that costs us energy as well. When we drink water and we bring in the right minerals, we don't have to use any energy in order to process that. And it gives us an abundant amount of energy. And that's the cool thing about it. It's just, we have to look at it differently. It's not calorie energy. It's hydroelectric energy, allowing that electrical current to flow more effectively. Very clean, efficient energy. Clean burning, meaning no byproducts, no toxins that are coming from that. So when we're looking at minerals, our best source of minerals is salt. But who's ever heard that salt's bad for you? Who's heard that? Probably everybody, right? And there's truth to that, absolutely. But there's also untruth to that. So we got to really break through these myths. So table salt, you guys can see, it's not any different. Really, table salt is an industrial waste product. So very, very toxic. In fact, look at this. It takes 23 times the cell water, right, to neutralize the salt in our body, right? So when we're taking in table salt. So when you eat table salt, that will dramatically dehydrate you and toxify you. So you absolutely want to remove that from your system. So a lot of people will tell me, I don't eat any salt, right? I don't put salt on anything, okay? But every time you eat a processed food or you go to a restaurant, things like that, what kind of salts are they using? Table salt, right? That's what they're using. So if you see an ingredient and it just says salt, guess what it's got in it? Table salt, right? So we definitely don't want to use that. So what's a better alternative? A lot of people will go to sea salts. And there's good aspects of sea salts, but there's also bad aspects. In fact, most sea salts are processed to some degree. And we're looking at it under a microscope. Here's typical table salt. This is sodium chloride right here. So it was never, it's not found like that in nature. So therefore, it it's really has no life to it. You guys can see, I mean, it's just clumps, right? There's really no life to it. So with sea salt, this was actually, this actually, sea salt has come from nature. So there's truth to that, it came from the sea. It comes from nature, but in order for them to really refine it, they process it, okay? So they process it, they heat it, they do a lot of different things like that. And now it becomes, obviously, a much more unstable product. And then finally, you've got the good, like Himalayan crystal salts and the high quality volcanic pink salts. And those are the salts that are really have tons of minerals. In fact, Himalayan sea salt, over 84 trace minerals, right? And it literally has a frequency, it has a living frequency 
when, they, when they've studied it. And so Himalayan salt is obviously it's a top-of-the-line salt that you want. There's other good ones like Redmond's Real Salt. Who uses one of those salts? A lot of you guys do. If you haven't been on the, the Whole Foods, the Harry's Shopping Tour, we do that. Uh, actually, I'm doing that in a, in a, not this coming weekend, but the weekend after that. And I teach you. We show you exactly how to use those salts and where to get them. Well, that's definitely a switch you want to make. And so when we're looking at it, when we start using these good salts, for example, like the Redmond's Real Salt okay, and the Himalayan Sea Salt, what we know is that these are anti-stress elements. One of the best things you can do for stress is just take a little tad bit of, of good salts and drink water, right? That will naturally help relieve you, right? We'll secrete more serotonin into your system, so you'll just naturally have a feel-good feeling. It will relax you, get more water into your system, and your body will, will do much better. By the way, when we're under high levels of stress, whether that's physical stress, what's an example of physical stress? What is that? Tired. What's a, what's a good example of physical stress? Working out, right? So if we over-exercise, right? Or bad posture, right? Or, um, and working out could be a good stress too, right? But if we overdo it, then it's a bad stress. Bad posture, you know, a car accident, a fall, something like that. Physical stress, what, how about chemical stress? What's an example of chemical stress? Yeah, lots of alcohol, right? So chugging a bunch of alcohol, definitely, um, right? So toxins, right? I was talking to a lady today, and, um, you know, she's, she's cooking with uh, Teflon pans. Is Teflon a toxin? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. If you're cooking with that, we definitely want to think about switching over to stainless steel or uh, something called nano glaze, which you can, you can look at right on my website under products, okay, better alternatives. So that's a toxin, bad foods, processed foods, table salts, things like that are all chemical stresses, and then, of course, emotional stress, right? Anybody here under any emotional stress? All of us, right? Everybody. And so when we're under those stresses, right? Some of you guys are under emotional stress trying to get here, right? Coming through the traffic. When we're under those stresses, it depletes. We, our body secretes more cortisol, starts to deplete our, our, deplete our, water, our water supply. So just handling the stress itself, neutralizing the stress, taking the water with the good salts is a key aspect to doing that, Okay preserves our serotonin, our melatonin, helping us fall asleep better, kickstarting our immune system, and helping us just feel more relaxed. Um, gets rid of excess acidity, enhances immune function, regulates blood pressure, stabilizes the heart rate, improves libido. So really using the good salts, believe it or not, a lot of people think, is that going to raise my blood pressure? Okay, but, but if we're using the good salts in the right proportion, does it? No, it doesn't actually do that. It actually helps stabilize blood pressure. However, here's a key caveat. That doesn't mean you just start dumping salt on everything, right? doesn't mean that. Certain body types need more salt, okay? They're typically fast oxidizers. They need more minerals, okay? Other, anybody here crave salt throughout the day? Some of you guys do, like Sarah, Angie. So typically, that's a sign that you're a faster oxidizer. Therefore, you're going to need more salts. Things like celery, cucumbers are going to be great for you. You know, stuff like that. Also... Um, you know, if you don't, if you don't crave salt, there's no reason to, you know, use tons of salt, but you still want to get some of these good salts in your, in your diet on a regular basis. That's going to be a key aspect. And obviously, the more that you exercise, the more of the good salts and minerals that you need. So here's the, here's the next question, guys. A lot of people will ask me, you know, about dairy products and things like that, right? And so dairy is a very, very acidic product. In fact, for me, I don't eat any dairy, okay? Now, if you were to get it raw, grass-fed, 
you know, milk or cheese or, you know, things like that. You know, I don't have a problem with that. That's fine. Okay, but when they pasteurize the dairy product, right, then it actually denatures the protein, becomes more acidic. So here's a question we're going to ask. Everybody always asks me, well, if I don't, if I'm not using dairy products, how do I get enough calcium? Okay, but here's the thing, guys. Where does a cow get the calcium? Grass, Grass right? In fact, that's our best source. In fact, what we know is that when you take in dairy products, the acidity of the dairy actually excretes. You actually excrete more calcium than you're really taking in. Okay? And so, by the way, where does the cow get protein from, too? Grass, right? And that's where it gets all those nutrients from, and we can, too. And so look at this, Genesis. So God gave us rules in the beginning, right, of really how to eat and how to treat our bodies. In fact, he said, Behold, I've given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree, and which is the fruit of a tree-yielding seed. Uh, to you it shall be for meat. And you guys ever notice um, that, uh, you know, in the beginning, right, so like you start reading through Genesis, and, you know, all these people, they, so they weren't eating meat at that time. And how long were they living? Yeah, well over 100, like 600, 700 years, right? And then, and then they cried out for meat, and God said, okay, you can eat meat. And, and then what, what happened to our lifespan? Started going down. Now, hey, listen, guys, I eat meat, I love meat, and I don't even recommend a vegetarian or a vegan lifestyle for most people. Some people can do it. Um, if, you're a slow, if you're a slow oxidizer, you have more of a, a better chance or certain blood types, okay? But, but that's not something that I recommend. However, we've got to put some thought into that, right? And so, you know, there's some obvious conclusions we can make from it. And so the reality is we've got to make sure we're getting enough of what God calls meat, which is obviously our, our green vegetables, our herbs, our seeds, things like that. And so when we really break all this down, that sunlight, believe it or not, sunshine is literally what drives energy and everything in our body, right? So the sun, the reason why plants are green is because of what? Who knows? Chlorophyll, right? So chlorophyll is what allows a plant to be an autotroph, meaning it allows it to produce its own energy because it takes it from the sun and the water and it's able to produce energy, okay? Now, we're, we don't, you know, we're not running around. Obviously, if we had a lot of chlorophyll, we would be what color? Green, green right? <laughs> so, you know, we're not actually green. Uh, we don't have that chlorophyll in our system. However, we should be eating chlorophyll. So the sun is what drives the energy there, along with certain nutrients in the soil and the water. And then we eat the vegetable, and so we're getting that sun energy in an indirect form. Does that make sense? And then the animals that we typically eat, that, that God t tells us to eat, are the non-carnivorous animals, right? The herbivores. That's what God wants us to eat, like cows, you know, things like that, rather than pigs, which are a carnivorous animal. Okay, or shellfish and stuff like that. So you eat a cow, and they typically, you know, if they're tr if they're treated the way that they should be, ate grass, right? So they got energy in from the sun indirectly, and that made fuel in their body. And then we eat them; we get that from an indirect source as well. So light is the major driving force, and the absorption organization of sunlight, which is the very essence of life, is almost exclusively derived from plants. Plants are a biological accumulation of light. This is phenomenal to really even think about. And light is a driving force of every single cell in our body. That light, that vibration, that, that frequency is literally what drives all life in our body. Without light, I mean, there would be very, very little life on the planet. And so we look at this, all life. And by the way, 
you know, obviously, when we're going to talk about this, these green vegetables, they, they actually help form blood, right? Mm -hmm. And so you look at this. Here is chlorophyll right here, okay? This is the structure of it. You can see the magnesium core, okay? Hemoglobin, by the way, what does hemoglobin carry? Oxygen, that's right. It carries oxygen to the cells of our body. You can see same molecular structure. The only difference is the binding mineral, right? So the only difference is that it's iron in the hemoglobin, it's magnesium in the chlorophyll. And by the way, what is the, what's the most common nutrient deficiency um, as far as a mineral goes in our society? Magnesium. That's a magnesium, right? So vitamin D and magnesium are the top two. Behind that is probably zinc. Okay, and that's because our most absorbable form are our dark green leafy vegetables, the things that are loaded with highly absorbable chlorophyll. And when you look at this, here's a cool thing about it is that when we break down chlorophyll, obviously it's, it's very, very highly absorbable that we get the magnesium, right? And it really helps purify our blood and bring more oxygen into our system. The other major aspect of magnesium is that it, it actually provides part of the protective so it is the mineral that helps block. Sounds like there's some music on, Lori. I can hear somebody singing. Maybe that's our neighbor next door, but I think it's, I think it's this, right? So, um, so what happens is that the magnesium helps. It's, it's kind of the, the blockade, right? And it helps block the blood-brain barrier from being opened up. And so when we're deficient in magnesium, that blood-brain barrier gets opened up. And now, and one of the reasons for that is that magnesium plays a key role in, in every single nerve function. Every, for nerves to fire, it plays a really key role. So what happens is the body starts to become starved for trace minerals and things like magnesium as well. And so the blood-brain barrier opens up. Now it's easier for toxins to cross over and to interact with our brain cells. So it becomes a big problem. The number one reason, actually, believe it or not, well, the top two reasons, I should say, why people are deficient in magnesium is number one, of course, we're not eating enough green vegetables. But the number two reason is all the sugar that we eat. Because when we eat sugar, we have to use up our magnesium stores in order to metabolize it effectively. So when we're eating a lot of sugar, guess what we're depleting our system with? Magnesium. That's right, exactly. So for a lot of people, that's the reason why they have the magnesium deficiency is because of the, the high amounts of sugars and grains and stuff like that that they're eating on a regular basis. So we got to really watch out for that. So here is the key equation. You want to have a healthy bloodstream. That means number, you know, means making sure you're getting out in the sun, right? It means that make sure you're eating a lot of green vegetables, obviously keeping the sugars down, things like that. Eating a lot of this good grass, right, is absolutely key. Wheat grass, right, um, you know, single cell algaes like spirulina, um, chlorella loaded with chlorophyll, um, kale, collard greens. Who likes kale and collards? Some of you guys were in the South, so you know more people like those. You know, um, turnip greens, mustard greens. They're some of the most nutrient-rich vegetables. Broccoli, spinach. Anybody here like baby spinach, right? And by the way, we always have this rule. So if you don't like it, what do you do? Eat it, eat it anyways. That's right, right? So you figure one of those, one or two of those, and you eat it on a regular basis. So let's go into pH a little bit, okay? So we're kind of getting towards the tail end. And so we look at pH, whoever took chemistry when they were in school. Some of you guys, some of you guys may have a vague, vague, painful, <laughs> painful memory of this right here. Because um, most people really don't like chemistry, and I, I, I hated it when I first started taking it. 
Um, now I love it. You like it too? Now I, I love biochemistry and, and stuff like that, but I used to hate it. So when we look at this, 7 is neutral, right? And then this is a logarithm scale as it goes down, right? It's a logarithm scale, and what happens is all of these take on hydrogen ions. And a key with hydrogen ions are those are free radicals in our body. Who's heard of free radicals before? Yep. And so they're free radicals, meaning that they scavenge for uh, different things, right? They scavenge for electrons into the system, and they can break down tissue. And so what happens with that is that every point down, we're 1,000 or we're something like, what is it, 10? So, we're, yeah, we're like 100. Um, so it's like this. It's times 10. So it's like 6 is 10 times more acidic than 7, right? 100 times, you know, 5 is 100 times more. You know, and so it just keeps going down like that. So it's a significant difference as we go down this scale. And then, of course, alkaline goes this way. And so when we look at our body, our body really should be slightly alkaline. And so we know that all disease is associated with an acidic environment. Who knows where, where human tissue should be? 7.35. Close. 7.365, right? That's where it actually should be. So our blood should be traveling around at 7.365. If it goes up or down a tenth, that literally, I mean, it could literally put us in urgent care, right? Our bloodstream needs to be at a specific pH for life to, to happen, right? Now, here's the thing. Because of that, because it's so important to life, our body has a whole lot of different buffering systems. And so because of that, number one, one of the things that happens is our, you know, when we're acidic, we'll start breathing more, right? Because we need to bring in more oxygen, which is alkalizing, okay? Also, our kidneys will increase the amount of acidic substances that they're excreting. Same thing if we're over-alkaline, right? So if we're over-alkaline, we'll start having certain reactions as well. Our breathing rate will slow down, right? And we'll start urinating out alkaline minerals. And so in acidic environment, because it's so critical for our blood to stay at 7.365, the body will do whatever it possibly can to keep it that way, okay? And so a lot of things happen. So a lot of people ask me, first off, before I get into this, how does somebody get acidic, okay? But remember we talked about stress, physical, chemical, and emotional stress. Mm -hmm. Guess what they all have in common on our body? They all cause acidity, right? Cortisol gets released. Cortisol turns us away from being a fat burner into being a what type of burner? Sugar burner, right? It puts us into a, a cycle called glycolysis. And so we start burning more sugar at that point. And when we burn sugar, what's the byproduct of sugar? Lactic acid, right? So who's ever, like, for example, when we work out at a high intensity, right, we get that burn, okay? We produce acid, pyruvic acid and lactic acid. And so it's an, it's an acid. And so what happens there is that um, we get more acidity into our system and our, our, our acidity goes down. So that could be, again, a chemical, emotional, or a physical stress that is constant puts us into that mode. Now, what do we know is one of our best things to do if we're under stress? Water, right? We just talked about that, right? Tiny little bit of good salt and the water, and I'm going to give you some other tips. Starbucks. <laughs> that will throw us more into that stress response. So here's what our body does. So... If we're too much acid, it will start to strip alkaline minerals from our body. So in our teeth, we have a major mineral, calcium, right? And that's very alkalized, so it'll come out, right? It'll help buffer that system. 
And then, of course, what happens? So we lose enough calcium, and what do they start saying? Osteoporosis, low bone calcium, although even though osteoporosis really is a protein deficiency, that we have weak protein in our bones, not actually calcium, believe it or not, okay? Although we still will have, we'll have typically osteopenia, things like that can happen when we start losing the calcium. Um, our muscles and nerves, we lose potassium. So our muscles become much more rigid, right? They become much more spastic. And so that's a big thing because we're lacking the potassium and our nerves will fire more frequently, but they'll also fatigue out faster. So we'll have faster responses. So oftentimes we'll have pain, we'll have tightness in our body. Um, we'll just have all these unusual reactions. And the reason why is that, of course, um, we're, we're dehydrated. Our arteries lose magnesium. Magnesium helps line the inner wall and helps create the artery, allow the artery to become um, kind of exactly flexible. And so the word that we use for that is pliable, right? How it becomes pliable. So when your heart pumps, that vessel needs to expand, right? If it doesn't, if, there's, if that artery is loaded with scar tissue and it can't stretch and that heart pumps, guess what happens to the pressure in that artery? Goes up, right? So now we start noticing it on, our, on, on the, you know, our blood pressure cuff, right? And it starts, obviously, we start having issues. So, of course, the medical doctor thinks, well, maybe there's just too much water in the system, so let's give them a diuretic, right? Or let's give them a drug that will um, lower the amount of the, the, the strength of the pump, right? So like, a, you know, a beta uh, antagonist or something like this. Let's give them a medication that will lower the strength of the heart being able to pump out blood. Is that ever going to really get to the cause? No, no there's scar. There's scarring on that arterial wall, right? We've got to address the scarring. We've got to, number one, is get rid of whatever caused it and then enhance the body's ability to heal so that way it can replace those cells. And that's how you get rid, that's how you get healthy and your blood pressure stabilizes. Does that make sense to, to you guys? Yeah, that's key. So, and then of course our joints, we lose sodium out of our joints. So when we lose sodium out of our joints, sodium brings what with it? Water, right? So, right? So, you know, you take a lot of sodium, they usually say you retain water, right? Who's heard of that before? A lot of you guys? So, sodium, also we have sodium in our joints, right? Our, the joints in our spine, the joints in our knees, our elbows. So, when we are losing, when we're acidic and we're losing that sodium, guess what happens to those joints? They get rigid, they lose water, and they start to degenerate, and they come closer, and we get osteo... Who's, who's heard of... Um, uh, osteoarthritis, exactly, right? Osteoarthritis, you guys heard of that, right? Those joints start coming together, create more friction. So you can see how an acidic environment, and again, remember, an acidic environment is caused by stress, right? Chemical, physical, or emotional stress. So this is what happens inside of our physiology, whether you are, number one, eating a bad diet or taking in a lot of toxins, number two, you're just emotionally stressed. You have a lot of anger, frustration, sadness, depression, you know, a lot of these things. Or number three, you're subluxated, right? Where there's damage to your spine, your nerve system. This is what's going to happen inside of your body. You're going to create this acidic environment. And so obviously this kind of gives you the chart of what happens. Here are some of the effects. You know, these are some other areas where we create the acidosis. Poor digestion, poor bowel elimination. So if we're not moving our bowels on a regular basis, and by the way, a healthy way of moving your bowels is, is about moving them about as many times as you eat, right? 
So if you eat three meals a day, you should be moving your bowels about three times a day, right? If a lot of people come in, they say, well, I move my bowels three times a week, right? What do I know about them? They're toxic and they're acidic. Exactly. That lets you know right away, right? I mean, at minimum, at least once a day, right, that we should be moving our bowels. And this is a process that we've got to make sure that we're doing in order to really get rid of the wastes. And so acidic inflammatory states obviously irritates nerve endings, causes increase in pain, attacks the joints, tissues, muscles, and our organs, literally destroys our body from the inside out when we're acidic. Look what it does to the blood cells. So you see blood cells naturally... They have a polar, polar charges. They have a negative charge on the outside. On the inside, they have a positive charge. That actually helps them kind of repel each other so they don't clump. What happens in an acidic environment, though, is that they start to lose that negative charge. And when they do that, they don't have that strong polarity. Now, all of a sudden, they start to clump together, right? And they become more viscous. You guys see that? So when they start clumping together like this, are we going to get more or less oxygen out to our cells? Less oxygen. You get less oxygen, that, that creates a wind-up where you're getting even more acidic, right? Because oxygen actually helps neutralize and helps alkalize our system. So when, these, when, the, when, when the blood cells look like this and they get into our small capillary beds, they literally block blood supply, right? So they're going really, really slow through that area and we deplete our oxygen. And so what do we know thrives in a low oxygen acidic environment? Cancer. cancer, exactly. In fact, the cause of cancer is no longer a mystery. Otto Warburg won the Nobel Prize for this. He said it occurs whenever a cell is denied 60% of its oxygen requirements. Okay, so if it's your right lung that's deficient in oxygen and healthy nerve supply, then right, and, and it's malforming, then guess where you're going to get the cancer? in the right lung. Does that make sense? And then you go into the medical doctor and what do they want to do? Chemo, radiation, or a surgery. So here's the thing. Chemo and radiation. Does that make your body more acidic or more alkaline? More acidic, right? It's like declaring war on the body. Time and a place, right? Just like, you know, obviously our nation goes into war from time to time. And there's a time and a place for war, okay? However, who thinks we should go into war with other countries right away, right? Something bad happens, we just start bombing them. Of course not, right? Nobody in their right mind would say that. Then it's the same thing with chemo and radiation. That should be our last, last thing that we possibly do. Number one, we should be looking at, hey, how can we be proactive and prevent the situation? And how can we reverse it naturally, right? By providing that alkaline environment. So, of course, any money in chemo and radiation? Yep, exactly. Lots of money in cancer drugs, right? I mean, huge, huge absorbent amounts of money going into that. So there's a strong lobby there that doesn't want you to know that. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, in this office, you know, people are, that, are, that are interacting, that are doing these things in, in this office, right, they don't get cancer. When they do, they get, they get it reversed, right? Their body heals. And they do it without chemo, without radiation, right? And this is why people in this office, we really don't get sick. We don't get cancer. We don't get heart disease, things like this, because we're able to reverse these processes by doing the right types of things. So you see this, an acidic terrain creates tired, sick cells, right? So it causes low energy. You can see, because now the cell is dehydrated, right? And so now it's starting to crimple up. You see the nucleus is, is eccentric, meaning that it's not in the middle anymore, so it's, it's gone off to the side. It causes poor digestion, uh, overweight. Our body will start to, to, to store uh, acidic stores in our 
in our gut, unclear thinking. Who's ever had brain fog, things like that, right? You know, a big aspect with that, aches and pains, sick and tired. And so major areas where, where acid will settle are where our lymphatic system will drain the most, okay? So you guys know we have two circulatory systems. We have our bloodstream and we have our lymphatic system. And so where are those major areas? We have a big duct right down here. It's called a lymphatic duct right down here um, in our solar plexus area, okay? That surrounds, for example, the prostate, right? For men, for women, the uterus, ovaries, right? It's right in that same region. Another major area is right over here on the left side, pancreas, right in that area, spleen, okay? And another major area is right here under the armpit, okay? And so what are the most common, the axillary region, right? What are the most common cancers that we get? Breast cancer, cervic, uterine, ovarian, right? And then a pancreatic, prostate, right? You guys see this? So all these acidic stores start to, start to settle there. So when we're looking at this, an alkaline terrain creates an entirely different atmosphere in our body, creates, helps create a lean, trim body, energy and vitality, tons and tons and tons of energy. Where's Charmaine? I have her, her give a, a good testimonial. Um, so maybe towards the end here. So when we're looking at really alkalizing, by the way, who, who uh, a lot of you guys answered in the beginning, who wants more energy, who wants to lose weight, and who wants to feel amazing all the way up until they're 100 years old? Everybody, right? I think I covered all the bases right there. So one of the key steps we've got to take is obviously alkalizing our system more effectively. And a way that we do that is right, providing a lot of highly alkaline foods in our system. So um, one of my mentors, he's very, very extreme with this. His name's Dr. Robert Young. He wrote a book called PH Miracle. And um, he recommends a 90 to 10 ratio. For me, I, I, I truly think that you can be fine doing a 75-25, right? 75% alkalizing foods, 25% acidic. So what are our best alkalizing foods? What are they? Avocados, phenomenal, great fat, right? Phenomenal food, very alkalizing for our system. Green vegetables, right? Who likes cucumbers in here, anybody? Cucumbers, very alkalizing. Who likes celery? Celery is great. Natural blood pressure medication, you juice celery. Phenomenal for you, right? Absolutely incredible at lowering blood pressure, stabilizing it, just unbelievable for you. Um, so let's see. So we got celery, all of our green leafy vegetables, spinach, things like that, turnip greens, right? Kale, collards, all those things. Another great, very, very highly alkalizing thing is lemon, right? Squeezing lemon into our different foods. That's key. And so when we're looking at our, our diet, like I was saying, about 70 to 80% raw alkalizing foods, right? And about 20 to 30% more acidic foods. So that would be, for example, like this meal right here, this person's eating is, they you know, have a steamed broccoli, you know, raw salads, you know, all kinds of good stuff like that. And then they have some brown rice there, right? So if we're going to eat grains, what's our best grain to eat? Brown, brown rice, exactly. So brown rice is so our best grain to eat. Okay, quinoa would be second best and millet, right? Those would be our best grains, okay? And we want lots and lots of vegetables. If we're not doing the grains, right? A lot of, who's anybody here doing the advanced plan, right? So you want to lose weight quickly, take out the grains, and you replace that with, for example, like a free-range chicken breast, right? Or, um, you know, a, a grass-fed steak, bison steak or grass-fed beef steak or, uh, you know, venison or something like that that becomes your acidic portion, 
And then you can put on some good, obviously, squeeze lemon in there to add more vitamin C, make it more alkalizing. You can put a little apple cider vinegar on there. You can um, put some olive oil, which is a very alkalizing oil. So all that stuff helps, helps boost our alkaline reserves. Put a lot of good herbs on there. What are some good herbs? Turmeric, yeah. So turmeric is a powerful herb. In fact, if you're going to eat rice, I always recommend that you just put tons of turmeric in there because it will actually help your body digest the rice better, provides enzymes, and turmeric is one of the most powerful superfoods that will actually affect you on the genetic level. Uh, turmeric, spirulina, chlorella, okay, and cinnamon. The cinnamon is another really, really powerful one. Ginger, those are extremely powerful superfood herbs that uh, will actually affect your DNA and will literally reverse cancer and, and different things like that, you know, w just through the nutrient value that they bring in. So good herbs like that. Put oregano on there. Oregano um, is, is loaded with antioxidants. Really, really powerful for you. All those things are very, very alkalizing. Let's look at this. So acid alkaline balance, there's a couple different ways that we check this with our saliva. One way that we can do it um, is, uh, you know, obviously we have these pH strips, right? Anybody ever use these before? pH strips? Some of you guys have? So pH strips, you can order these. Um, you know, a good brand is, uh, there's PHI on, they have a, a really good brand. And so we're using the pH strips, okay? You can, of course, you could check your saliva or you could check your urine and there's different ratios depending on, on what you're checking. And so either one is fine. You just want to get consistent doing one of them if you want to check this. So either one's fine, but my recommendation is always, you know, choose one to go with. Just don't do, you know, just don't check your urine and then your saliva, right? That's it. Not a good idea, right? You don't want to do that one. So I'll make sure everybody gets that, that straight. So anyway, so saliva, right, ideal is 7.0 to 7.5. Urine is going to be a little bit lower because we're getting rid of, obviously, acidic, you know, acidic substances. We're, we're constantly doing that. So typically what we measure is right around here, 5.5 to 6.5 with our saliva and with our urine, 4.5 to 6.0. Okay, so if you measure it out and it's like that, then one of the things you want to do is drink the water with the salt, squeeze some lemon in there. You can pop like some fennel seeds. By the way, I always, fennel seeds are like the perfect Tic Tac or gum replacement, right? So a lot of people think, or at least they act in this way, they think the reason why people get bad breath is that um, they're deficient in Tic Tacs or spearmint gum, right? I mean, that's the way we act, don't we? We're like, oh, here you go for your breath. But that's not actually why. Typically, it's actually an issue with our colon, but that's something for a different talk. Um, but something natural that you can use instead, by the way, Tic Tacs, that's like bottled cancer. You guys know that? Spearmint gum, and loaded with aspartame, all kinds of, of, of preservatives and additives, toxic stuff. People will like, um, you know, they'll take, uh, what are those things called? Altoids, right? They pull them out and they're like, you know, I think I was on a plane and like somebody offered those to me and I was just like, oh, you know, no thank you, right? I didn't want that. I had to let them know. I mean, that's, that's toxic. That stuff's toxic. So instead, we use fennel seed. And fennel is very, very alkalizing and has a very strong, pungent flavor. Mint is, works great, too. Mint, right? You can take very, very alkalizing. So it naturally helps alkalize you. And it's great for your breath. So, um, so those of you guys that have spearmint gum and, uh, you know, the Tic Tacs, you can throw those out, right? And, and you go out and get some fennel seed. And you can just munch on that. All right. So simple ways to alkalize. So these are some simple things that you can do. You know, like we said, 
putting the lemon on your water, squeezing the lemon in there. Lemon adds ionic magnesium, potassium, also provides megadose of vitamin C, which is actually, believe it or not, um, alkalizing in our body. And most people are a little confused by this because when we think about lemon, what do we think? Acid, right? And lemon and apple cider vinegar and limes are like this too. They're kind of the best of both worlds. The best of both worlds looks like this. Something that's acidic on the outside of our body, but alkalizing on the inside. And, and so, so I know you guys are like, how does that work? So here's the thing. When it's acidic on the outside of our body, okay, meaning that it's got some free radicals, it will interact, it will actually damage, for example, bacteria, naturally helps sterilize our, our system. And because it's got the vitamin C, right, it actually helps moisturize our skin really well, and it's really good for us. Also, lemons themselves are great for like a sponge. You know, again, they'll sterilize your, um, you know, if you're, uh, if you're washing dishes or uh, obviously if you're just washing uh, your countertops, right, naturally helps sterilizes it, provides a, uh, a freshener, air freshener in there. The reason why it's alkalizing in our body is when we break it down through the digestive process, the ash, the actual what's left over after digestion is magnesium, potassium, vitamin C, all these substances that naturally are alkalizing inside of our body. So because of that, we get good benefits. Aloe vera juice, another very, very alkalizing thing. We talked about the pink salts, apple cider vinegar, you know, phenomenal. The, all the other vinegars, guys, balsamic vinegar, you know, red wine vinegar, all those things are acidic inside of our body. Apple cider vinegar is the only one that's not acidic. Greens powders is something I always recommend. In fact, if we talk about supplements, we're, I'm always telling you guys, instead of taking like a, a, you know, I recommend a Whole Foods multivitamin, absolutely. Um, there are some definitely some good brands. But what I actually like to get my multivitamin from is a greens powder or capsule. Because not only am I getting tons and tons of greens, but I'm also getting alkaline buffering minerals and chlorophyll in my system as well. So it, it takes the place of the multivitamin, but it also provides an alkaline source as well. And so another key aspect of what we've got to do is this right here. So we're talking about drinking lots of water. What's the first thing you notice when you start drinking lots of water? You got to go. And a lot of people will tell me, they, like, like when I'm talking to them, they'll tell me it like that's a bad thing, right? I'm like, thank God. That's awesome. You're urinating, right? Absolutely. Very, very important because your body's detoxing, getting all that junk out of there. So yeah, definitely we need to make sure that we're that we're going to the bathroom, that we're urinating out. I mean, you should literally, honestly, you should be, I mean, during waking hours, not during our sleep, but during waking hours, the max should be two hours between, you know, you having to use the restroom, honestly, right? I mean, a max. For me, I mean, it's typically just about every hour, right? I'm, I'm going to the bathroom while I'm awake, of course. And so super hydration. So one of the big things that we're doing is, um, and this is how you really super alkalize detox and flush your system is you start your morning out like this right here. Okay. We do our super hydration first thing in the morning. Okay. We start by drinking about 16 to 32 ounces of water. So what that would be, would be one of these whole things is like 33.8 ounces of water. So one of these big things, right, is that would be great. If you could drink that, not everybody's ready for that, but at least drink half of that. Okay. First half hour in the morning, you're just cranking that water, right? You're putting in like squeezing some lemon or something like that. Throughout the day, you want to be continually saturating your cells. So like four ounces every 15 minutes is great, meaning 
two ounces is basically just like one, one gulp, right? So, you know, two gulps or so is phenomenal. Every 15 minutes, just continually saturating it. If you're, if you're working a job or you're living a life, lifestyle that just doesn't allow for that, then you try to drink more during those periods. Like for me, you know, we get busy in the office. I'm not able to drink every 15 minutes. So I'll get back there at least, you know, once every hour though, and I'll crank a little extra, right? And I always super hydrate before I get going in the shift. And so then you do that up until about 30 minutes before the meal. Why do we want to minimize between 30 minutes and then throughout the meal? Why would that be important? Stomach, two reasons. Great, two great reasons. Stomach acid, right? We don't want to neutralize that stomach acid. We want the acid to break down any kind of proteins that we're eating. If you're just eating like just straight vegetables or, or a juice or something like that, or just an apple, no big deal. You can drink right up to it, okay? But if you're eating a protein-containing meal, you want to make sure you stop at least 30 minutes before. And then Amanda said nutrients because we need enzymes. We don't want to, we don't want to um, obviously... Uh, we don't want to dilute our enzymes as well that are in our food, so we want to be able to break that down effectively. So that's why we want to minimize, minimize during the meal. So I really don't drink much during my meal. I really don't. I, I barely ever drink. You know, when I'm eating, typically I have enough vegetables and things like that to where I've got the fluids to keep me satisfied during the meal. And we're going to ask a question, Angie? So, so um, my smoothie, I live off of smoothie. Yeah. What I would recommend, now with a smoothie, it's a little bit different because we're drink, bringing in a lot of water, okay, into our system. The other good thing about a smoothie is, you know, typically, um, at least, you know, most people, maybe somebody does this, aren't putting like hamburger in their smoothie and uh, chicken and stuff like that, right? So typically you've got protein broken down to a smaller level, okay, um, like where it's like a whey protein powder or something like that where it's already broken down or maybe an egg that you've uh, broken down a little bit. Um, so it's more absorbable. However, um, with, with a shake, what I recommend, what I personally like to do is um, I will, and you can use ice. I mean, you could still use ice. What I like to do is use frozen fruits, so like a frozen blueberries or something like that, coconut milk, and I'll water down my coconut milk sometimes, right? And then, you know, a protein powder and then all my superfood herbs and things like that. So, yep. So you, you're fine. You're okay with the shake. Yeah, as long as you're not throwing hamburger in there. So <laughs> a little bit more complex protein to break down. All right. So um, then you begin super hydrating again two hours after your meal. So if it's a thick meal, right, give yourself some time. If it's a shake, it usually goes down, you know, within an hour. Then you start, you know, hydrating well again. You drink before, during, and after exercise. And during the summertime, especially if you're working outdoors, you drink a little bit more, you know, every 15 minutes. And our goal should be really about a gallon a day. Right, that should honestly be, that's a good goal to work for. Okay, you may not be able to get all the way there, but hey, that's a good goal. If you really want to detox, you really flush your system. You know, you can go two plus gallons, you know, really, really flush out all the toxins. Just make sure you're obviously you're providing some good minerals in there as well. That's the way it looks. So super hydration, you wake up, right, and you're just pounding tons of water, right? Like I said, 16, 32 ounces, 48 ounces. I easily drink that much, you know, when I, when I get up in the morning. Okay, then you would eat breakfast later. So good time, you, know, you, you flush your system with water. After you're finished with that, you typically you're gonna move your bowels at least once. And then, you know, that's all kind of good devotional time too to use. And then you go and you work out, right? So work out first thing in an empty stomach, well hydrated system, then breakfast, right? After you finish working out, 
and then you go and you shower, you know, you get all cleaned up, then you would have your, your breakfast. That will help your body secrete more human growth hormone, more testosterone as well. Then, you know, you keep hydrating four ounces every 15 minutes, you know, throughout the day, just taking a couple swigs, right? Then later on, you would have your lunch, right? And you would give yourself a half hour in between. And then a couple hours later, you start drinking again. Then you have your dinner. And then later on at night, you have a little bit less, right? And then finally, you know, time to go to sleep. So that would be, you know, perfect example right there. And so obviously, you know, we just hit, right, all of these major essentials as far as alkalizing our system, keeping our body well hydrated. And then obviously the question we always have to ask with all of this kind of stuff is how do people, right, how do they alkalize? How do they live this healthy lifestyle yet still end up getting sick and disease and dying early? Like Dana Reeves right here, right, 44 years old, she gets lung cancer. She ate an all-organic diet, exercise every day, right? Yet she ends up getting lung cancer. Jim Fix, he wrote the book on running, yet at 52 he died of a heart attack. Guy was a vegetarian, exercise guru. So how do things like that happen even though they're living this healthy lifestyle, right? It's because what, what we talked about in the beginning, remember we've got to make sure that we're supplying our body with all of those essentials, that not only are we providing an alkaline environment, we're effectively detoxing our system, we're providing the right nutrients, we're exercising, and then the thing that most people really forget about is really taking care of the very system, the central nerve system, the very system in our body that controls all life and all healing. And so if I cut this nerve right here to your heart, what happens to the heart? It's going to die, right? Instead of cutting that nerve, if we just pinch this nerve right here going out to the heart, if we pinch that 30% blockage, let's say, okay, now... 30% of those cells in the heart, they're gonna, are they going to form normally or abnormally? Abnormally. Plus, this is going to send a stress response into our body. It's going to cause physical stress. When we're under physical stress, our body secretes cortisol. Cortisol switches us from being a fat burner into being what kind of a burner? Sugar burner. So now we're a sugar burner, and does that cause an alkaline or an acidic environment? Acidic environment. So now our entire bloodstream right, is going to become more acidic. We're going to lose minerals out of our body, right? And that's going to cause more and more and more damage, further damage to our nerves and our body. And so one of the most important things we could possibly do when we're looking to see how well we're healing is this right here, is making sure that we're checking that central nerve system, that we're getting a nerve scan so we can see exactly how well our body is functioning and healing right in the moment. And the amazing things about, about these scans is that they are way more powerful than a mammogram, prostate exam, any kind of cancer test, uh, EKG, anything like that, because it will literally see how well our body is healing long before we have disease. Because a mammogram, when does that tell you something's wrong? When you're sick, right? This will tell us something's going on well before you get symptoms. And so when a scan looks like this, what do we know? Do we know that person's either alkaline or what? They're acidic, right? Exactly that organs are shutting down, that the body's not healing the way that it's supposed to. And so obviously these scans, they should look like this, perfectly clear. And so if, you, if you're a guest here today and you've never had that scan done, well, part of the outreach that we do in this office is we're going to give you that opportunity. Typically when people walk into the office, usually as a walk-in, if they were to just come in off the street, it's usually $249 for a full nerve evaluation to see how, what's going on and every single nerve level in their body, okay, as well as you know, any kind of x-rays that we'd obviously need. If we saw a scan that looks like this, do you think there would be a need for x-rays? Yeah. 
yeah, absolutely, there's nerve damage, there's a need for x-rays. So if that's you and you've never had your nerve system checked, we're going to give you an opportunity today. This is part of my outreach um, as a guest today. We're going to do that at no charge. Just make sure that, um, that uh, Yvonne's going to go around. She's going to get you scheduled. If you've never had that evaluation done, make sure you get with Yvonne. She can get you scheduled later on this week. And so, Yvonne, you can go ahead and get started. When we're looking at the x-ray, there's a couple big things that we look at, okay? When your spine looks like this, this is a, the curve in the neck, okay? This person's looking this way. What do we call that arc? Arc of life, absolutely, Jim. The reason why it's called the arc of life is because the brain stem right here is able to sit there and the spinal cord takes on its optimal length, sending all that life, power, and healing out to the body. And so when the spinal cord looks like that right there, how well is that person healing? Very, very well, right? When you lose that curve in your neck and that spinal cord starts to get stretched like gum, this is 10% lengthening. Now that spinal cord starts to get stretched, do you think that's going to cause more or less stress on the body? More stress. More or less cortisol to be secreted? More. more. So is that going to be, make for a more or a less acidic environment? More acidic. You guys see that? This person is going to be way more acidic. What does that mean to their organs? That's right. Now the organs are going to become sicker, right? They're going to get disease processes, and they're going to shut down and die faster. And so that's why when we take these x-rays, it is so key that if your spine looks like one of these right here, phase one, phase two, phase three, that we get that corrected as quickly as possible, take stress off that system so the body can then heal exactly the way that God intended and you can naturally alkalize the way that you're supposed to. So obviously, Yvonne's going around. She's getting you guys checked up for that to make sure that you're doing that. Many of you guys are already patients in the office. That is our goal is to get the best possible correction or remove that physical stress. And the great news is, those of you guys, and when I adjust you today, we immediately remove that pressure. Your body immediately um, lost that positive, that feedback that was telling it to be acidic, acidic, acidic. And it gave you a new opportunity to start over and to alkalize. Every adjustment clears your nerve system. It's like pressing Control-Alt-Delete on your computer, right? So it literally clears that system, allows you to reboot and reboot more effectively. And so that's the key behind that. Outside of that, guys, our next workshop is going to be Monday the 27th. We're going to be doing a healthy recipe night. And so we're going to have tons of recipes. It's not going to be a PowerPoint or anything like that. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. Charmaine's going to be making Spanish rice. Charmaine, what are you going to be making? Tons. Right? Exactly. All kinds of stuff. You sure are. That's right. It's going to be pretty awesome. Um, I'll, I'll be making, one of the things I'm going to be making is a grainless cereal. Who likes cereal in here? I love cereal, right? However, when I, when I pretty much gave up grains, I stopped eating cereal. However, I figured out different ways that, that I make some different things that taste like cereal that I enjoy on a regular basis. So I'm going to be showing you guys how to make a grainless cereal. I'm going to go over again the superfood shake. I'm going to be making some stuff like that. So we're going to have lots and lots of fun. Um, this place will be absolutely packed. Make sure that you register early. We will ha start having our, our, our registration. Do you have something uh, you are going to yeah. say? For anybody that was at the VIP dinner, yep. I will definitely be going over those recipes. Okay, great. Yep, great. And so, yeah, we're going to be doing all of that, guys. And uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun, okay? Um, we, there will be a charge for that just to cover our ingredients. Um, it, so it's $5 just a... Uh, you know, very, very small charge for that. 
Um, so just make sure you get registered. We'll have a, uh, a registration sheet set up um, as soon as tomorrow. So you can make sure that, uh, that you get registered as quickly as possible. Um, in fact, Charmaine, if, if they want to get registered tonight um, for the, the recipe night, they can go ahead and, uh, and pay tonight and make sure we get their name on the list since a lot of the people are here. Um, so you can even pre-register today and make sure you get set on that. And then bring the people that you know, right? Because all of us know tons and tons of people that are out there, right, that are, are, are living, you know, a, a hectic, chaotic stressed out life and it's only going to be you know before long they're going to end up being another statistic you know that's why obviously you know our mission is to get out to everywhere we possibly can in october we're going to be doing um a whole seminar series at deborah's church right i was talking with dave and Lori. you know they're setting me up with their pastor we've already been to your church and we'll be coming back next year um to north star right up the road and uh you know anywhere that you need me to come out and speak whether it's a you know a support group like roberto was talking about your office uh, anywhere that is, I'm more than happy to come out. We'll get it into my schedule. I will donate my time because the reality is, you know, the reality is that there are thousands of people in our community in Cobb County alone in Kennesaw. There are neighbors or people at our church all around us. And the reality is that they're dying, right? They're getting sick and they're dying. And unless somebody stands in the gap, what's going to stop them from becoming the, the next statistic? Nothing, right? They're just going to go right down that path. And so we've got to do everything in our power to make sure that it doesn't happen to people that we know, that we love, that at least we put our best, our best foot forward, at least we gave people an opportunity to make these changes, right, and to do the right thing. And so if you have a place you want me to speak, you can email me about it or you can write it down, write down the contact information. You can uh, leave it right up here with Charmaine and Lori. I'll be glad to look at it and give you guys an email about that. So if that's you and you're thinking about that, Anybody that you know that you'd like us to call and invite to that recipe night, if, if there's somebody that's resistant or uh, just needs an invite, right, needs a personal invite, it's been powerful when we're able to make the call after you already talked to them. We're, it's so much more effective at getting them out. They just feel like they're getting a personal invite. They feel great about it. And uh, what we'll even do for the recipe night is, you know, if you get that to us as quickly as possible, you know, we'll just give those people a free invite. So that way, you know, there's no obligation. They don't feel bad about it, right? And they can come out and sit in on a recipe night and have a great time. So, you know, if there's people that you know that, uh, that need to be out for that, you know, we'll open up our doors. We're here to help you, your family, your loved ones, everybody that you know. Okay, so with that being said, if you have questions, you can always email me or you can ask me, you know, tonight. Uh, we'll stick around for a little while and answer any kind of questions. Other than that, you guys are dismissed. All right, awesome. And that's the podcast for this week. Don't forget to check out our new website. Just log on to www.exodushc, as in healthcenter.com. See you next time.